Love Talk Radio. And there's Leo. Good morning, brother. That's you. All right. Looks like it's a red book out. Let's stand together. Grant, I don't know what you've done to run everybody to that side. But. <laughs> Maybe when your wife comes back, this I'm going to move over or something. <laughs> All right, let's turn to number one in the red song book. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let's sing it for All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels frustrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. Bring forth the royal diadem and crowd him, Lord of all. He chosen seed of Israel's race, he ransomed from the fall. Hail him who slays you by his grace and crowd him, Lord of all. Tell him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe of this terrestrial all to him all at the sea ascribe and crown him Lord.
we have been, brother. <laughs> Amen. We do, brother. We sure do. Amen. Somebody else. Our grandma from Arkansas. Okay. Yes, sir. Scott? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Miss Charlotte? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yeah. Amen. No kidding. Anybody else? Well, I tell you, we can just stop and have a whole prayer, day of prayer on that one. Our country, if our country was a drowning man, I'd... I don't know if you can see his hand sticking out of the water at this point. We 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 really got a layer before God, or it's it's it's. I'm afraid she's gonna be gone. Uh, anybody else? Anything else? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us this morning. God's certainly able to hear and answer prayer, and let's go with confidence to the throne of grace, expecting that grace and mercy we need in the time of need. Robert, lead us in prayer. <laughs> Amen. You can be seated. Forevermore. 
Number eight. Number eight. <clears throat> Bringing in the sheaves. I had no idea what a sheave was when I was a kid. Used to sing that, and I think, what in the world are they singing about? I bet there's somebody in here still don't know what a sheave is. It's a big old stack of wheat. Amen. And that's the Bible said. Our lost soul, Jesus said the souls are like a. It's like a going for lost souls, like a ripened field of grain. You know the great thing. But the great thing about that, I'm gonna preach, but I'm cursed. But I heard a I heard a sermon one time on that, and the preacher said, you know, his souls aren't like muscadines. You got to climb up in a tree and pick them off the vine.
too, when I did my little recording down in Georgia. I'm so looking forward to getting that back. Amen. I just sketched it out. I'm going to let him color in all the other places with him. Praise God. Amen. It's good to be in church this morning. Uh, take your Bible. Turn to Acts chapter 4. I wonder how many in here this morning remember what the title of the message was last week. Y'all remember? Anybody? Anyone? I ain't, it's not a test. Just, just thought I'd ask. It was the beginning of Christian persecution. Beginning of the persecution of the church. Does that ring a bell now? All right. Well, we're going to do a little bit of back up and go forward. Uh, we'll hopefully be out of here maybe on time. And I'm not going to say early because if I say that, I'll go late. So we'll hopefully get out here late. So maybe we'll go early. All right. Acts chapter 4. We're going to read. Let me get over there, too. I'm on the wrong page. Acts chapter 4. We're going to read verses 13 through 31. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to preach. So let's look. All right, beginning in verse 13, the Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them that they go, they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And Annas, the high priest, I'm sorry, I jumped in the wrong paragraph. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. But we, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man which was above forty years old, on whom this miracle of healing was showed, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is therein, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of this of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, when the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. I'm so thankful to be your child this morning. Lord, I'm so grateful to be where I am. I can't imagine myself anywhere else but in church on Sunday morning. Lord, I can't see myself anywhere else but behind the pulpit preaching your word, Father. That's where you placed me. I'm an instrument in your hand. Lord, I want to be a good one. I don't want to be a, a weak one. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Wash me. Fill me. Bring me out today. Pour me out to your people. Lord God, give us a message we need to hear. Lord, in this hour that we live in, Lord, the devil is trying his best to beat the drum of fear. He's trying his best to make cowards out of Christians. He's trying his best to keep us quiet, push us into a corner and marginalize us and make us afraid. Father, I pray you'll help us to stand as believers. Lord, as the, as the old gospel song sings, onward, Christian soldiers. Marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Father, help us to take that attitude, Lord, to walk in the Spirit of God. And, Lord, follow the Scripture. And, Lord, learn from it today and apply it to our lives in this very real moment we're living in. Lord God, we pray for the Holy Ghost to give us guidance. Speak to us now. Speak to everyone that's here, both here and in person and those listening in. Father God, we pray today be the day that, Lord, somebody makes some commitments to serve you no matter what happens. Father, that we decide right here and now 
that losing our life for Christ's sake is more important than saving our life in this old world. Father God, I pray you'd help me now. Preach through me. Give me, give me your power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Y'all know the story, but just to refresh, they went up there the third hour. There's the old fellow sitting by the beautiful gate begging. They looked down at him. Silver and gold have I none, such as I have given unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk, rise up and walk. He grabbed him. He pulled him up. His bones had strength. His legs had strength. He's rejoicing, hugging him, shouting, <coughs> praising God. I'm not sick. I got allergies. I have to preface that. But, uh, and so all the crowd began to gather. As we remember on the day of Pentecost, how many people got saved on the day of Pentecost? Y'all remember? Bible says 3,000. Okay. Was that 3,000 men? Because when usually when the Bible counts, it counts men, the head of the household, and it doesn't count the women that are with them and the children with them. So we could, who knows how many. And the Bible says that daily the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. So the people getting saved all during the week, uh, they were gathering in the temple. There were no church houses. So they were gathered there in the temple. So this kind of stuff had been going on. The man hadn't been healed every day, but I believe with all my heart that there were believers who were saved on the day of Pentecost. There were there were uh, members of the of the early New Testament church, the first 120, who were there witnessing in the temple daily, and from house to house. So you got people getting saved daily. So and again, they're gathering up in the temple because that's where people meet. That's where the crowds are, and they're going out to witness where the crowds are. So again, on that day, you can say it. That somewhere in the neighborhood of about maybe I don't know ten twelve thousand people got saved that day. So you have you have somewhere in the neighborhood average in the neighborhood of about twenty thousand believers. That's a lot of people, and it's growing daily. You know what's happening up at the temple? And priests and Sadducees and Pharisees—they kind of getting a kink in themselves. We got to do something, fellas. We're fixing to lose everything we got. Trouble is a brewing. This morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of Christian resistance. Christian resistance. I talked to you last week on on persecution against Christians. So, what do you do in the face of persecution? Well, you practice Christian resistance. You say, "What is that?" Oh, we're gonna learn now. Hey, we're gonna go to battle. We're gonna fight for God. No, no, we're not gonna fight for God. We're going to let God fight, but we're going to go to battle. We've got to go to battle, folks. If we don't go to battle, we'll lose. Amen? Well, let me tell you how we did it this morning, all right? Let's get into the Scripture. All right, so, so let's, 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 again, let's set the scene. Let's, we were, I'm skipping some parts. So what did they do? They came to them, and they arrested them. They took them, and they put them in the, in the big circle with all 71 of them sitting around, with their old steely eyeballs staring holes in them and asking them questions about, about what name or what authority have you done these things? Y'all are messing up our deal here, is what he was trying to say. You are messing up our deal here. Now, what authority? You, don't, you didn't go to college. You haven't been to seminary. You haven't sat under our teachers. You don't have our accreditation. How in the world? Who do you think you are, you dirty fingernail fisherman, coming up in here and standing up and preaching in our temple and causing people to turn to this man who we crucified? How dare you? That was their attitude. And so they they put the heat on them. So what they did? They preached them a sermon. Basically told them. You crucified Jesus, and it's by his name and his authority that this man stands before you whole. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. Now, remember, when I talk about Christian persecution, I mentioned some of it last week, about them being boiled in oil, them being, them being uh, drawn and quartered, and all those horrible things. There, there was one uh, Roman leader, I can't remember if it was, if it was Nero, I think it was Nero, but the one who he, he had believers dipped in wax, had them completely covered in wax, and he, he lit them like candles to light his outdoor parties, their bodies. 
There's persecution is very real. And it's going on today. Somewhere today, somebody will lose their head for Jesus Christ. Somebody will lose their life. So they told them, well, let's get, let's get right to the verse. Let's, let's look down there up into where we're at. So he had just told them, he said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He, we, we talked about the fact that they had been praying for the rulers of Israel. They were praying for an opportunity to witness to them, for them to get saved. Because, listen, Jesus on Calvary, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And on, on Pentecost, many of them had gotten saved, but there's still those in the temple that had not. And so they're praying for their salvation. And the only way, again, the only way to get an audience before them is to get arrested. And that's what they did. What would be shame to some people was glory to them because they had an opportunity to witness. So verse 13, let's look there in our scripture. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, when those, when those men on that Sanhedrin, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Again, there was no fear in Peter and John. They spoke with confidence. They spoke from a, from a place of knowledge. And they saw that and they said, hey, this, ain't, this is not a joke here. These, this, these guys are for real. I mean, it, it had an effect on them. And they also, they perceived and they understood, again, that these were not men, these were not scholars. It didn't make sense in their mind how these men could stand here so confidently and say these things so directly to the rulers of the nation. Because you've got to understand, these are the rulers of the nation of Israel. This, 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 that's, that's what they're standing before. And, 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 and they marvel. We thought we got rid of this problem. They marveled, and listen to what it says, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> now you say, wait a minute, because there's a problem here. They remember these guys before. When Jesus was going about his ministry, these guys were with him, but they weren't bold like this before. You remember time and time again, Jesus saying to them, Oh, ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So oftentimes they failed Jesus. They dropped the ball big time. Do you think those priests, uh, those priests and Pharisees, Pharisees didn't remember these guys? And they weren't no big deal back then. They were just with Jesus. Something's different about them now. Something's different. What is it that's different? Because there's a transformation that's occurred. Can I tell you? You remember Jesus spent 40 days with them, didn't he? You know what he did in those 40 days? See, they grew up. They had grown up in the temple. They'd grown up hearing all the prophecies and everything. They knew the Old Testament pretty well. But during those 40 days, Jesus broke it down and showed them how this points to me, this points to me, this points, this means this. I mean, he explained it all to them in those 40 days. And so they got a crash course education and theology. And they understood. They, they were walking, talking representations of their Savior because he had imparted all that wisdom to them. Guess who does that for us? The Holy Ghost of God. He's Christ in you. Hey, don't say, well, I'm, I've been saved, but I don't know a whole lot. Well, that's your fault. You don't get mad at me, get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you, that's your fault. Because that Bible's been sitting there all this time and the Holy Ghost's been in you all this time and you ain't never put two and two together and study and learn and let God use you and let God uh, fill you with knowledge and, and wisdom. God will do that, but you've got to want it. But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They said, hey, something is different here. Let me ask you a question. I think you may have heard this before. But the question was asked, if you were on trial today for, for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence somewhere to convict you? That's a good question, isn't it? Would there be enough evidence for them to convict you of being a Christian? 
Could somebody say, oh, yeah, I know they are. I've seen them do that. I've heard this. I've heard their testimony. The Bible said there in verse 14, and beholding the man that was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Of course not. How are you going to criticize a good thing? How are you going to say, you healed him? What a terrible thing you've done. I mean, this guy's been lame his whole life. And then they said, when they commanded them to go aside outside the council, they conferred among themselves, which doesn't mean they just let them go. That means that they guards ushered, ushered about into a, probably into a, a secure location while they talked and didn't want them to hear what they had to say. And they were saying this. They said, what shall we do to these men? We've got to do something. For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them. It's manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. This ain't good for us. We can't get around the fact that they actually, this miracle occurred. See, here's the problem. Evil was in a pickle. Evil was in a pickle. What am I going to do? If we come up against it, everybody saw it. See, this is not an unusual situation for them. I want you to realize this. This is not unusual. They've been through this time and time again. When John the Baptist showed up, and he began preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. People started going out there to John to be baptized. They come out there, what's going on? What, I mean, everybody leaving the temple, going out there to the Jordan River. What's going on? I mean, they had a problem with that. They couldn't say all that against it. John scolded them, told them, you know, bring forth works meat for repentance, you'll come out here. He drew the people after him. John, they went out to John, but they couldn't say anything against John. Why? Because they feared the people. They feared the people. God had stirred something up in Jerusalem, and it was bigger than them. And they knew they couldn't control it or cut it off, and they knew there was a problem, and they feared the people. Hmm. John Baptist hurt their religion. And then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. And Jesus taught, and he healed in their synagogues, right there in front of them. Their false beliefs, their false religion, their false belief in their works. He criticized them for their ticky tack little rules that they made, which which had no no uh, no regard for the heart of and mind of God. Why didn't they run him out of there? Well, hey, they feared the people. And now this. An estimated 20,000 believers meeting in the temple, sharing Christ daily in their temple. People being saved daily right there in their temple. You've got people rejoicing and shouting and giving God glory, thanking Jesus Christ right there in their temple. They crucified him, and yet he's getting glory in their temple. It was out of their control. And you know what? They were afraid of the people. Can I tell you something? The people in Washington, D.C. are afraid of the people. That's why they got a big wall they put around that sucker. Because they're afraid of the people. I saw a little I saw a little picture this week. It showed showed all these people bent over and this monopoly board on their backs and all these rich guys sitting around it and it said if the people stand, the game's over. They fear the people. Now don't think for one second, I'm gonna get here, I'll get all riled up and tell you we've got a storm Washington these here, some crazy, something like it. I don't believe that'd even be close to what we ought to do. But I'll tell you something, there is something a believer ought to do, and we're going to see it today. Again, they feared the people. All right, verse 17, I'm going to hurry and we're going to get done. But that it spread, but that it spread no further amongst the people. This is their thinking. This is their advice. We don't need this to go any further. Let us straightly, the word straightly there means strictly, threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, I got to reading that where he said they strictly or they straightly threatened them. And I thought back when my daddy would threaten me. My daddy grabbed a hold of my shirt. He pulled me right up in his face. And that shirt get tied around my neck when he twisted it and pulled it toward him. And he gripped him teeth. And he get that old awful look on his face. Boy, he's going to growl and talking to me. He said, boy, I'll knock him. He'd pull out Bill Cosby's old routine. He'd say, I brought you into this world. 
I'll take you out and make another look just like you. You understand me? I mean, he'd get gruff with me now. <laughs> he was straightly threatening me. And that's what they were doing to them. They got right up in their face and they could smell their stinking breath. And they said, if you dare go out here and talk in his name, we're going to get you. Don't you dare do it. You understand us? We'll get you. But they were hindered. They feared the people. Now, what did they tell them to do? You don't go out there and speak in the name of Jesus Christ. That would be, listen to me, let's bring this to real world to right now, 2021. This will be the equivalent to a ruling coming down from our Supreme Court that said it is unlawful for Christians or anyone else to speak or preach or teach in the name of Jesus Christ in America. That's law. What you going to do? We're going to fold up our tents? If that happened, would we quit? I can tell you what would happen if that happened in America. Like a lot of modern preachers who would quote Romans 13 and they would shut down their ministry and feel like they were obeying God. Now, would they be? Now, that's that answer question. That's a question we need to answer. If, they, if they, we were commanded by civil government not to do it anymore, would we be right with God to obey them? Well, let me say something to you. More and more Christians are being conditioned to live like the world and to accept and tolerate what the world wants and not what God wants. And let me remind you that during World War II or before World War II, in pre-war Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler used Romans 13 to convince the German Christians that Jews were to be put away. And when it was happening, he kept them under control by telling them, Romans 13 said, well, let's look at Romans 13. Take your Bible, turn over there. I didn't want to do this, but it's in the Scripture, so i got to do it. <coughs> so I didn't want to go here this morning, but like I said, the Scripture led me to it. Romans 13, let's look at it and let's understand clearly what we have here. Romans 13, verses 1 through 5. Again, Hitler abused this for his own means. Romans 13, verse 1, let's read. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that are that be are ordained of God. Now, in America, now I've done this before in here, and I know some of y'all know the answers, but some of you weren't in here. In America, when the Bible says the higher powers, who's the highest power in America? Is it the President of the United States? No. Is it the Congress of the United States? The Senate? The Supreme Court? It's the Constitution of the United States. That is the highest power in the, in the United States, government-wise. That's where we derive our rights and freedoms from the Constitution. I mean, that's where they're written down, the Constitution of the United States. All right? So, we're to be subject in America to the Constitution of the United States. Is it a perfect document? No, it's not perfect, but it's very close. You know what it does? It, it, it gives credence to God being the creator, the ruler, and that we're to obey him. And that we have our rights, and we get our rights from our creator. And the Declaration of Independence states that very plain. Now, now let's keep in Romans 13. So he said, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. So God is, of course, God has all power, and God gives power and allows power. The powers that be ordained are, are of God. Verse 2, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, Hillary took that, and he brainwashed people. He said, if you oppose me, you're opposing God. So he made himself godlike. Now, here's the key, verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works. Now, hold up. When them guys brought them in and threatened them because they healed a man, were they a terror to good works? I believe they were. Will you, will you agree with that? I mean, if the, if the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that we were no more to carry a Bible, read a Bible, 
or have a Bible or teach in Jesus' name, would they be a terror to good works? Absolutely. He said rulers are not a terror to the good works, but to the evil. So rulers, what God calls a ruler, that's somebody who enforces God's moral laws. That's somebody who enforces what is right. He said, wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he, that being the one who's in power, is a minister of God to thee for good. Well, if he's telling me to, to go against God, he's not being a minister to me for good. But if thou do that which is evil, and if I'm trying to serve God, I'm not, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath on him that doeth evil. So yes, the, 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 the thief, the murderer, the person who's breaking God's moral laws, yes, God has put moral civil law there to arrest them, to put them in jail, to execute the murder, and all those things. But when that government turns foul and turns against God's people, then that government is not what he's referring to here. <clears throat> and if there was, and he said, wherefore you must be needs to be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Well, I'm going to serve God for conscience' sake, and I will do good, and I will serve government right under for my conscience' sake as long as that government doesn't tell me to go against God. Now listen to what the Constitution, I mean the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson wrote this, and I'm going to read it. I know I've had people before in church say, just stick to the Bible, preacher. Why? I'm using the Declaration of Independence to show you how it affects to us today in America. Thomas Jefferson said this, and listen closely. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. That, that separate and equal station, that means for us to be able to have a life where we can live and serve God. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impelled them to the separation. So why are they leaving why are they leaving England to form a new nation? Why are they separating themselves from those who they used to serve under? He said, and I quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, easy to see, plain as day, that all men were created equal, that they are, quote, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. In other words, governments are there to make sure we can have those rights, that those rights are protected. They're not there to, to, to ram their ideas down our throats and put, make us uh, slaves and servants to them. No, they're there to protect our God-given rights, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So if the people, in America, the people are the ones who give those people the right to even go up there and make those laws and enforce those laws. That whenever any form of government, listen, becomes destructive to these ends, and the one sitting in Washington today is destructive as destructive gets. They sent everybody from Guantanamo prison to Afghanistan, and oops, they all got away. And now the Taliban and Al-Qaeda are running free again. You talk about a bunch of boobs and goose and weirdos, and, and I'm going to go on and say something I shouldn't, so I'll hush. But I'm going to tell you, you say, oh, they're just a bunch of bumbling. No, that was on purpose. They want more fear in the world. Oh, Al-Qaeda's back. Taliban's back. Everybody be afraid. They're coming for us. They live on fear, folks. They live on fear. Now, he said, when that government becomes destructive to these ends, in other words, destructive to us having our rights and freedoms, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles, what? That we ought to have our rights and freedoms. And organizing its powers in such form as to them, uh, I'm sorry, as, as to them shall see most likely to affect their safety and happiness. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security, Thomas Jefferson, Declaration of Independence. Now, 
That's the higher power in America. That's what we, I mean, that's the, those are the things that we look to in America to say, well, what's right wrong for us? It's not the president that's changed that every four or eight years. Again, it's what does the Constitution say? What, does, what, what is in the Declaration of Independence? So therefore, when those things which are happening in this moment, this hour, when there are unjust laws and unjust measures and unjust orders and unjust mandates and all these things, and they go against what God has told us, then we must practice civil disobedience and simply live as we used to live. That's what I'm going to tell you. Am I saying we gotta we got to load up with ammo and guns and go up there and take this country back? No, that's foolish. We die the first day. What do we do? We simply do what these people did. They lived according to God's word. They didn't change a thing. What did Daniel do when they said, don't you pray unless you pray into the king? Daniel didn't do a thing different. He just went and opened his window and bowed down and prayed. He didn't change a thing. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow down to that golden idol out on the plains of dread, what did they do? They just kept standing there while everybody else bowed down. Because they wouldn't go back for some idol. It make no difference what nefarious government told them to do. We serve God, not you. You say, well, that ain't right, preacher. Well, let me tell you what Peter and John said. So they said, don't you do it. Don't you say nothing in his name again. And Peter and John answered them and said unto them, well, whether it be right in the sight of God to, answer, to hearken unto you more than to God, good you. You figure that one out. You think I ought to listen to you or listen to God? Hmm. He, he saved me. You ain't done nothing to hurt me. He, he, he gave me eternal life. You're going to kill me. Uh, hmm, that's a hard choice, isn't it? He said, well, they can kill you. I fear God. Man can only kill the body. So Peter and John said to him, you figure that one out, fellas. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You tell me to shut up about him, I can't hold it in. Amen. What Jeremiah said, when I tried to forbear, when I tried not to speak, it was like a fire shut up in my bones and I couldn't forbear. It burned in me. The fire of God burned in my bosom. And I said, hallelujah, i got to pray. i got to preach this stuff. i got to tell somebody what Jesus does. i got to, I don't care about what preaching Jesus. He was preaching God. Let me tell you something. These disciples said, listen, we got to tell you about this Savior. we got to preach this Savior that you crucified. Now listen. So when they had further threatened them, did you hear what he said while I go, boy? We'll hurt you. We'll get you. Don't you dare talk back to us. We're the most powerful men in the nation. When they further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. It says it right there. Why? Because they feared the people. Why? For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was about 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. This is good stuff right here. <clears throat> this is such good stuff right here. Christian resistance. We can fight back. We can rise and fight back. You say, how do we do that, preacher? So we got a war, man. We got a war against the devil. You said, how do we do that, preacher? Take the gospel to people. And we win them into the family of God. And we turn them from a child of the devil to a child of God. There's one more on our team. And one less on his. And then we go get another one. And there's one more on our team. And one less on his. And you know what happens after a while? They begin to fear the people. And there's peace and calm in the land. Hey, when a righteous man's in power, people are rejoicing. Hey, but when the wicked rule, there's mourning, the Bible says. So how do you fix it? The church. It ain't the government. It's the church has got to do what God has called her to do. And that's what they were doing. And what did God do? Did God, did God just let them get destroyed right off the bat? No. He delivered them. And being let go. They went to their own company. They went back to the rest of them, to the to the to the other 
to the other 19,980 or however many there were. I don't know how many there were. And they reported to them all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. He told them all about the threatening and all that stuff and everything. And when they heard that, oh, they got so sad they cried and said, well, we got to quit. No. They lifted up their voice to God. They prayed. The Bible said they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Again, there's that praise again. That means there was complete harmony amongst the New Testament church. That means when nobody over complained, they said, I just think I'll do it this way, preacher. Well, we always do it this way, preacher. It wasn't none of that. It was everybody put aside everything and said, we've got to get a hold of God. We've got to knock a hole in heaven. We've got to have hell. And they cried with one accord, and they said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is, that, that, that is in them is. Oh, who by the mouth of the, thy servant David, they're quote Psalms now, has said, why did the heathen rage? And the people imagine vain, vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for a truth against this thy holy Child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And so we saw what happened. And we know that, Father, it didn't happen because, because you were out of control. We know that that was your plan. We know that it had to happen in order for salvation, to get the salvation to be free. We understand. And they said, and now, Lord, look here. Behold their threatenings. They killed Jesus. Now they're threatening us. Then they sat around and wringed their hands, folks. Did they sit around and wring their hands? Did they cry and whine? Did they cower in fear? They took it to God. When you take it to God, you don't have to be afraid anymore. His shoulders are big enough. You know, when Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Lord, behold the threatenings. Hear what they're saying, Lord. And this, listen to this. Even though they're saying they're going to do all these things to us, Lord, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, Lord, we don't want our, we don't want our lights to dim at all. We don't want the fire to go down at all, Father. With all boldness that they may speak thy word. Oh, Lord, when we open our mouth to speak, don't you let it quiver. Oh, God, don't let them hear a quiver in my voice. When I speak, let me speak clearly with authority and the power of God. He said, by stretching forth thine hand to heal. Again, we're dealing with you. They require a sign, and that's why he's praying for them. That the signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed place where they were assembled. The Bible says it was shaken. Again, this, this church house don't shake on Sunday morning. There was no sound of a rushing mighty wind, by the way. There were no cloven tongues of fire, but the place was shaken. God was saying, hey, I hear you. <laughs> I hear your prayer. And what happened? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost of God. They prayed and said, God, we need you. We can't, we can't fight this battle. There's way, there's way more of them than there are of us. And I know our numbers are increasing, but they've got all the power. They've got the, they've got the nation behind them. Matter of fact, not only have the nation behind them, they've got the empire rolling behind that. They could have us killed tomorrow. They was killed today. But we're not in their hands, we're in your hands. And Lord, if we if you'll just give us boldness, we'll go out there and make some more just like us. And the numbers will keep growing. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You know what? They loved not their lives unto the death. They laid them down for Jesus and they said, Lord, our, all our times are in your hand. Every bit of us. All we have is yours. They fought back. I went in one after another, after another, after another. They spake the word of God with boldness. They resisted by continuing to do what God had commanded them to do. 
even in the face of tyranny, even in the face of threat, even in the face of, of ultimately their own death, they still continued on living freely under God's rule, under God's plan, under God's word. When man, when government fails to line up with God, then I have no reason to follow them any further. I'm going to go on and follow God all the way home. Let's stand together.